Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad you're human. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that today. So even though you just now sat down and got comfortable next to your spouse, wrapped your arm around her, can we stand one more time and get into the Word? And you guys are going to have to read it to me because I made it too small as a test for you to see if you were paying attention. Okay, truth. Never mind. I made it too small. I can't see it. Go ahead. Wow. Okay, we've got one more passage coming, but look at that. Look at that. We forget this. We forget what God has done. We forget what he's created, the the glory and the honor that he has crowned on man, that the covering that he has given and the authority, the dominion that he has given us. Man, we go right past that sometimes. One more. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Father, I'm so grateful. The price you paid, Father, just everything that you gave, you gave everything to us. You sacrificed everything for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and sometimes we forget that, Father. I thank you today, Lord, that this is a reminder, Father, of what you've done with man. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray for revelation in the house, personal revelation, Lord. Those who've been seeking you going, God, I just need to hear from you. May it not come through the words of a human, but by the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, Lord. Confirm the things they need confirmed. Change the things that we need changed. Father, just have your way. Father, I pray all of that is of me would fall and be forgotten. Everything that is of you would stand and produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am so excited about the Word today. I'm excited about the Word all of the time. Do you know how smart God is? Do you have any idea how brilliant He is and and how He can use just the exact right words to to touch where you're living? And and you go, God, I never saw that before, even though you've read it however many times you may have read it, and God opens it up. And that's my prayer today, that He would open it up. When I began to, I had the opportunity, I was given the choice of of talking to you today about all of the things, the hidden things in heaven and on earth and, and, or being human. And I thought, which one do I know more about? (laughs) Which one have I experienced more than the other? So human experience, I know I've shared this with you guys several times and but it keeps coming to my spirit this morning, so I'm going to share it just in the, the interest of every moment being a celebratory human moment. Um, I was sitting in the driveway many years ago waiting on my daughter to come out. She was always late. I know none of your daughters are ever late for anything. 
But my daughter had her own time frame, which many of us at Springhouse seem to have. And I said us. I included myself in there in that whole grace space that we have, the first 15 minutes of service. And uh, <laughs> that's not even in my notes. Um, but I'm sitting in the, in the parking in the driveway, and I'm thinking, oh, this child does not come out here. Uh, and she comes running out. She's got backpacks and purses and coats slung over her arm. And she's running, and, and she gets to the door, and, she, and I said, Caitlin Ann, where have you been? And she said, oh, Mom, you have no idea. I was going through the kitchen, man, and my purse swung off, and it hit this soda, and soda went everywhere. And I went, oh, okay. She went, just imagine how long it would have taken if I'd stayed in there to clean it up. (laughs) Glorious human moments where you get to make a decision and go, am I going to beat this child? (laughs) Or... Or are we going to walk in and are we going to clean this up together? Today, my prayer is that we would clean this up together. God is good. The very first thing the Lord began to pour into my spirit when I was talking about this whole human thing, (laughs) you know, God, this whole human thing, the very first thing he said is, I want you to tell them there is no such thing as only human. Oh, they're only human. We use our humanity as an excuse over and over and over again to be less than what God created us to be. Oh, they are only human. I, I ate the whole gallon of ice cream. I'm only human. That ne- okay, I would love to tell you that that, that never happened. <laughs> Two pints equal a quart and a quart equals... <laughs> we use it as an excuse We claim our frailty and our smallness in light of the grandeur of what God did in you. You are 30 trillion cells of amazing. You came together. Did this just happen? These 30 trillion cells decided to come together and that they would form a body that would be able to create life, that would be able to walk on the planet, that would be able to breathe and laugh and enjoy friendships. Because they just decided, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before one breath came into your lungs, he knew you. He created you and formed you in your mother's womb. You are an amazing thing. You are human. You are not only human. You are human. That's like saying, oh, it's only a Rembrandt. Oh, it's only a Picasso. Or to look at your child and go, oh, I did the best I could. You're mediocre and prone to failure. Don't you think sometimes when God hears the words only human, he goes, wait a minute. I did not create only human. I didn't create only human. Oh my goodness, that is so in my spirit today. What a blessing that you are human, that you get to experience everything God has for you on the earth, that you are walking around. Do you understand that the scripture tells us in Genesis that he breathed into man and he became a living creature? You are only here because God's breath flows through you. You are not only human. 
You are flesh and blood and you are spirit and you are soul. And God put all of it together in the most amazing fashion. And this is not to make you feel better about yourself or cause you to think more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm telling you this because this is how you ought to think of yourself. Because of God. Because it is God who does these things in creating you and using you and pouring through you. I want you to take that out of your vocabulary. They're only human. We've counseled people with it. You're only human. You know, every... No, let the counsel be, you are human. You are human. You were created for more than this. You are better than this. God gave you the strength to walk through this without falling. If you fall, you run back as fast as you can, but you are human. You are That just is amazing to me. We were created to be sons, not servants. Now that comes across funny in religious circles because we are slaves. We are bond slaves to Christ. That's because we have chosen to serve him in a way, not because he has mandated you will serve me. We have that free will, that free choice, and we get to choose to serve him. But we were created as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Sons and daughters. When Hal and I decided to have children, we didn't go, this house is a mess. We're going to have to have some kids. (laughs) Who's going to clean this up? Or, yeah, we're going to have to have a son because, man, does this yard need mowing? (laughs) I see sons elbowing their dads and going, yeah, right. Now, as a son or as a daughter, you should honor your parents and you should be willing and open to serve in your household that you've been blessed with and to give. But we did not bring you into the world to serve us. And God did not bring you into the world to be anything other than sons and daughters. Sons and daughters who love him, who honor him, who walk according to his will and his wishes and bring glory to his name by how we live our lives as humans, you are sons. This is probably going to be a, a short message, but it doesn't take long for the Lord to get his point across, does it? See, here's the thing. It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. What? What, you mean we're supposed to have dominion and authority over something? What, we, we, we aren't crushed by the world? We aren't overwhelmed by temptation. We, we don't have to cave. We don't have to fall in these things. Let them rule. But the kicker is, he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And in saying that, when in the beginning, when they created man, and I say they, when they created mankind in their image and in their likeness, it was with the purpose that man would look like him and that he would act like him. What a glorious idea to go. You know, when we, we all kind of want our, our, our kids, it's nice if they resemble us in some way. Maybe not in the bad ways, but in the good ways. We're like, oh, you got your father's genes on that. I mean, we want them to look like us or act like us. And that was the purpose. They wanted us to, that God wanted to have fellowship and friendship. He wasn't looking, like I said, for slaves. And so they created man in their own image. And then this thing happened. This whole being like him 
which was the original intent, look like him and act like him. We got the look like him part, but we kind of messed up on the act like him. There's this, the enemy of our soul, the one that we talked about in Scripture, that comes to kill and steal and destroy and make things die. It says, sin entered the world through one man. Sin and death entered through the enemy. And it says, through one man, life, redemption, uh, salvation came. Now, I find this so interesting because when we, when we were created in the image and the likeness of God and we fail, it was as if we were never able to completely fulfill the process, this creation process that God began in Genesis when he breathed life into man with the intent of image and likeness. And we stopped short at image. And not until Jesus came to earth as fully human did that process begin to be completed. Did it not begin to come full circle? Because when Jesus came to the planet, when he came to earth fully human, it was the first time man would walk the planet in the image and in the likeness of God. He completed the cycle from, from Genesis to John. <laughs> when he did this and when he came, he fulfilled the picture. Creation was now complete. The cycle was now complete because the possibility of humanity walking with God in fellowship in this way was now a reality because of what Jesus did. And, and I've always found it so interesting. I'm thinking, man, he is God. He, is, he, he could have done anything that he wanted to do if all he intended to do was to, to make a sacrifice for us, if all he intended to do was to die for us, in all reality, he could have done that in a day. He could have gone, okay, I'm going to like bring this situation about, I'm going to go to earth the day before the crucifixion, and I'm going to die. But see, he didn't do that, and there was a reason that he didn't do that, though he could have. Jesus did not just die for us, he lived for us. He lived for us to show us what it means to be fully human, to be able to walk this earth in the mannerism that he did. He came to live for us. That is astounding to me that he would do that. And the way that he did that, it was just, it, it, I understand that he wanted to be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. It took him 33 years. He lived 33 years on this planet. God can speak to a star, and in that, a star exists. But humanity, he gives you time to become, time to develop, and time to become who he has created you to be. And I love that Jesus walked this planet and felt these things and experienced fully human for us. I mean, think about it. When Peter denied him, Peter was a close friend, and he denied him three times. You know, he did that so that when your friend turns their back on you, and you go, God, did you see that? And he goes, I know. I know. Because Scripture says he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He's touched by these places. And when Lazarus, his, his friend, died, okay, granted, he raised him from the dead, but... Before that, it said, it, he waited. Sometimes we don't know how to wait, but he waited. And the scripture tells us that he groaned in his spirit over the loss of his friend. He groaned in his spirit. And then we lose someone and we go, God, this hurts. And he goes, I know. I know. He walked in our shoes. 
He did it so that he can show us how to walk it out. And so that we have a great and compassionate high priest when we're walking in. Somebody that can go, well, he doesn't go, why did you do that? He goes, I know. I understand. See, the beauty of it is that Jesus never stopped loving. Even in all of the experience, he never stopped loving. And no matter what's going on in your life, you can't stop loving. Nowhere in the word can we read, well, Peter rejected Jesus. And from that point forward, Jesus built emotional walls that would not allow anyone in for a while. You don't see anywhere where where it says, And Jesus, having been born in a stable, struggled with his poverty most of his adult life, becoming a hoarder and overspending on many occasions. Mm -mm. He walked in truth. He walked in truth. He didn't have to hide from pain. He wasn't afraid of pain because he knew it was coming. He wasn't afraid of betrayal because he knew it was coming. And he knew that his God was faithful, that he was centered in his will, and that he would make it through. And let me tell you something, you are going to get hurt. You are going to be betrayed. People are not going to act like you expect them to act. Keep your walls down. Love, Jesus loved in spite of everything. He chose to love to the point of death. Can we just do that? Can we make a decision to be that human? instead of the human that holds grudges or gets angry or gets worked up over every little thing. And we have not found compassion in our lives. We found judgment. What if we became that kind of human? Humanity. Where is your humanity? It says marked by compassion, sympathy. Mm, Jesus, having a generous nature and disposition. Where is your humanity? Where is our humanity? When was the last time that we walked in true compassion the way Jesus walked in compassion? When was the last time we saw someone in a situation and we were sympathetic toward that person rather than going, well, they must be doing something bad for that to be happening in their life. Bad things happen to good people. I was in Las Vegas, and I shared this one with you guys, too. And I was walking across the bridge from one side to the other in Vegas. I will probably never go back there again, and, and I'm not sure why I did other than this moment. But I'm walking across the bridge, and there's this young man that's probably 14 or 15 years old, and he is playing the guitar, and he is like, I have never in my life, never in my life heard someone play like that. And I've heard some amazing musicians being from this town, and being in the music industry for a while. I've heard amazing. And I'm walking across and there's this kid on this bridge and he's just singing and he's playing his heart out and and just, I mean, staggered. There was a, a Picasso right there. There was a masterpiece right there. And I thought, man, he should be, I mean, this kid should be famous. And I get on over and we go to dinner on the other side of the bridge and we're gone for two or three hours. We come back across and it's probably 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And I look and this kid is laying on the side of the bridge. He's laying on the side of the bridge with his guitar in his arms, sound asleep. And I'm thinking, God, the humanity, the giftings, the things that you put all around us that we walk by on a daily basis. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what his life was or is, but I should have. I said, Lord, I just, I want to be a better human. 
I want to be a better human. I want to, to be able to live the way he is, be more compassionate, to be more sympathetic. And it wasn't that I had no sympathy. It wasn't that I wasn't compassionate. As a mother, my heart broke. But as a human, I didn't know what to do. And sometimes we walk away from the things that we don't know what to do about. Instead of stopping and going, God, what can I do here? We are supposed to be marked and changed. This word marked, it is the same as tattoo. It should be tattooed on our spirit. I am compassionate. I am sympathetic. I am generous. It should be a part of who we are, not something we have to work ourselves into and think about becoming. How can, how can I be compassionate? No, it should be who you are. It should be who I am. We have the divine potential to be fully human. <laughs> we have this divine thing that God has given us to be fully human. Do you have any idea how blessed you are? Do you have any idea this extraordinary opportunity that you've been given? You are sitting here with the breath of God in your lungs. You are walking on a planet that your father created. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And in this human form, in this body, I understand in religious circles, we talk the most, as we should, about our spiritual life. But let's talk about your humanity. Let's talk about the kind of human that you are on the planet. See, we have been given this opportunity to stand in our yards at night and look up at this star-strewn sky and know that there's an amazing God who made it. We have been given the opportunity to stand at an ocean's edge and watch the waves roll and be a part of something so magnificent that our God did on our behalf. We know the joy of carrying life in our womb. We know the experience of that elbow that rolls across your tummy in the middle of the night as they grow. <laughs> we know the experience of holding our child for the first time. We know the experience of riding horseback and maybe falling off. That may or may not have happened. There's no video, so no one can prove it. We know the experience of leaning down in our yard and picking up a dandelion and blowing across it and watching it scatter to the wind. We know the privilege of watching the, the trees sway in worship and honor of this king that has created all. We know the love of friendship. We know the, the, the honor and the joy of sitting on our front porch with that person that we have loved our whole life and watching our grandkids play in the yard. That's the human experience. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. And instead of, of despising the weakness of our flesh and despising the mistakes we made or, or, or struggling through the pain and, and the sorrow, what if we just began to look and go, oh God, I am so thankful that I can walk through this with you. I thank you for every breath. I thank you for every tear. I thank you for every laugh that issues forth in my mouth to be able to hold the hand of my loved one. Every single thing, I am so grateful to be fully human. Amen. To be fully human. What a privilege we've been given. We can't waste it. We'll get the praise team out. Mary Oliver wrote a poem. And the whole poem, she's sitting in a field and, and she's talking to a grasshopper. And, and at one point she says, not all grasshoppers, just this one. 
But the whole poem is about an awareness of everything that's around us and the life that we've been given. And she goes through all of this, you know, what is a prayer? How do I pray? Would, would praying be for me to lie down in this grass and contemplate? What, what is my prayer? In the very last stanza of the poem, she says, tell me, what else could I have done? Boy, will some of us ask that. Lord, what, what else could I have done? And then she says, everything dies in the end at last and too soon. Tell me, what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?